This is Community Radio, KVMR, FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's Tuesday, August 9th, it's 6 p.m., and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Claudio Mendonça. The United Nations estimates that over 1 million refugees have fled Ukraine since Russia invaded in February of this year. Almost 23,000 have come to California. Many are now in the Sacramento area, which has a large Slavic community. Tonight, the California Report talks to some of those refugees. After regional weather, retired Federal Reserve economist Gary Zimmerman talks to Paul Emery about the latest unemployment numbers. We close with a commentary by Mark Cunaberti. This is the California Report. I'm Maddie Bolaños in San Francisco. The McKinney Fire, which has now burned more than 60,000 acres in Siskiyou County at the northern edge of the state, is 55% contained. The fire ignited under a power line that had an outage the night before, but it was brief and power was back on for customers a few hours before the fire started. Investigators don't know if the outage on lines operated by Pacific Power had anything to do with the fire. NBC Bay Area reporter Jackson Vanderbecken says unlike some other fires sparked in remote areas, a fire crew was able to respond quickly. This started on the property of a volunteer firefighter who was able to drive his engine just a few hundred feet from where he lived in his cabin. They were able to get there quickly uh, enough to try to control it, but the weather, the wind shifted and uh, basically they had to withdraw because the fire was blowing back, back on them. The firefighter and his family escaped, but their home was destroyed. At least 130 other structures have been burned, and four people have died as a result of the fire, including a U.S. Forest Service lookout. Kathy Shootman died at her home in the community of Klamath River. She worked for the U.S. Forest Service for more than 40 years. And in other news, California's Employment Development Department was too slow delivering unemployment insurance payments to roughly 5 million workers during the pandemic. That's from a new report by the Legislative Analyst's Office. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. Employers pay for the state's unemployment insurance program through payroll taxes. Chas Alamo with the Legislative Analyst's Office says that's a big reason why the EDD listens to employers. Employees, not so much. EDD, in many respects, administratively, sees businesses as their primary customer. The same goes, he says, for the federal government, which pays for the cost of running the program. And the feds emphasize preventing fraud, but the agency adopted policies that slowed down service for many valid claims. In a statement, an EDD spokesperson wrote the agency will review the report's suggestions to speed up service delivery. For the California Report, I'm Farida Jabala Romero. And finally, more than 22,000 Ukrainians have crossed the border from Mexico into California since the Russian invasion in February. Many have come to the Sacramento area, which already has a large and tight-knit Slavic community. Cap Radio's Pauline Bartoloni has more about how these war evacuees are getting by. When Russians invaded Ukraine, Mykola Chernov, his wife and eight-year-old son, began a long journey. From their home in Nikolaev, southern Ukraine, at 4.30 in the morning on February 24th, 
they heard explosions set off by Russian forces. Chernoff explains through an interpreter. There were actually bombs, and they heard it from their room, and they bombed like a military station there near their city. For a year, Chernoff and his family knew a Russian invasion may be coming, but nothing prepared them for the escape. He said he had two hours to get everything, and they left. That was the start of a six-week journey across Europe, through Mexico, and finally to the Sacramento area. His wife's cousin took them in and set them up with an apartment in Roseville. While the war is going on, there's just no point of going back because every day their city's getting bombed. There could be as many as 10,000 Ukrainians who have sought refuge in the Sacramento area in just the past few months, says Vlad Scotts of the Ukrainian American House in Rancho Cordova. Although an actual number is not known, what is certain is they rely on the generosity and strong networks of the Ukrainians that arrived just a few decades before them. People trying to temporarily survive. They don't know how to be. They don't have place to return. Ukrainian refugees who came through Tijuana were given humanitarian parole for one year. And many are women and children because men are required to stay and fight, says Scotts. Many of those Ukrainian refugees, mostly it's younger generation. Many of them speak English, have qualified education to fit in American businesses. The new Ukrainians are eligible for public assistance and food benefits, but many of them would like to work, says Dimitro Kushneruk, the consul general of Ukraine in San Francisco. They can apply to work legally, but it can take up to six months. People are ready to work like the first days after they come. And we know that a lot of businesses are understaffed in California and in Sacramento area too. So that would really help if people could work. But the system as it is, is not allowing to get for them this authorization quickly. Slavic churches are playing a big part in welcoming the refugees. Speakers take the mic at the Saturday evening event at the Spring of Life Baptist Church in Orangevale. Hundreds of Ukrainians come to their weekly events. Church staff help people make DMV appointments, find housing, and sign up for government benefits. Mikola Chernov came here one recent Saturday to get help with work papers. He had an iPhone repair business in southern Ukraine. Here, his family receives $400 a month in public benefits. Once we get a job, stable job, then we could get rid of it because we're not going to need it. We're able to work and provide for ourselves. Many others are in limbo in the Sacramento area this summer, wondering if they will settle in the U.S. permanently when their humanitarian parole is up. For the California Report, I'm Pauline Bartoloni in Sacramento. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. 
And that's the California Report for Tuesday, August 9th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. And remember, you can always get your daily news by listening to the California Report podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Now let's look at today's regional weather and air quality forecasts. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 58. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 85. Wednesday night will be clear with a low around 60 degrees. The AQI in Nevada City and Grass Valley is currently good with a value of 35, and it should improve slightly on Wednesday to 27. In Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area, Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 49. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 75. Wednesday night will be clear with a low around 48. Air quality in Truckee and the Lake Tahoe region is currently good with an AQI of 14 and will continue in the good range tomorrow with a forecasted value of 19. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight mostly clear with a low around 59. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 90. Wednesday night will be clear with a low around 60 degrees. The AQI in Sacramento is currently 4. Good. Tomorrow, the AQI in the Valley will be good again with a value of 24. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Is our economy in a recession? It's hard to say if you're just looking at the jobs numbers. In this edition of The Economic Report, retired Federal Reserve economist Gary Zimmerman talks to Paul Emery about the latest unemployment figures. This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kelb, wealth management advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983 on Spring Street, Nevada City at rickkelb.com. Well, let's start talking today about the strong job numbers that were published last Friday. That got a lot of coverage in the news. Uh, What is your take on the labor market at this point? Indeed, Paul, both the monthly payroll job numbers and the unemployment rate um, in percent uh, provided very positive labor market news for the economy, offsetting the the weak GDP numbers that came out about the same time or the same week. So the monthly increase in jobs was about double the high figure that many economists were already expecting. And, you know, we also saw the unemployment rate fall slightly, and now it matches the lowest unemployment rate over the past 50 years. So, you know, the strong labor market numbers are important because they may affect the Federal Reserve's monetary policy and interest rate decisions over the next several months. And, you know, the strong, robust growth makes it more likely that the Fed will raise interest rates more or even faster. You know, and that would be especially true if we see this, you know, strong job growth continuing in the months ahead. So uh, everybody will be watching these um, <laughs> Bureau of Labor Statistics job num- payroll job numbers. Um, in the months ahead. 
it's also important, you know, that with this, you know, continued strength in the labor market, you know, would suggest we're probably not in a recession when the economy has been adding jobs at such a rapid pace. And, you know, over six million jobs have been added over the past year, while the unemployment rate has fallen from 5.7 percent to 3.5 percent. And we're also seeing job switching. Um, you know, we have a lot more people uh employers looking for a lot more people than um, job seekers. Um, so that that's important. And we also are seeing relatively rapid overall wage growth, maybe not as fast as overall inflation. But the, again, those are other indicators of robust job market strength. Well, let's start with the payroll job numbers, Gary. Um, what are they and just how large was that kind of a, that wealth covered uh, story of the July increase in new jobs. Uh, was that a surprise to you? Well, payroll jobs, those are you know based on a large monthly survey of firms, and they estimate the total number of payroll jobs across you know all sectors of the economy except for agriculture. And there were 152.5 million non-farm payroll jobs in July of 2022. That is a record number of payroll jobs for the country. Um, and then you add in uh, more than half a million jobs being created in July. So a monthly increase of 528,000 jobs is huge. That's about three times the average monthly increase in jobs over the you know, 10-year period of economic expansion from 2010 to 2019. So yes, I was surprised too. So what do these payroll jobs numbers measure, Gary? Uh, do they show any parts of the labor market that were especially robust in July? Well, in addition to estimating the number of total payroll jobs, the report estimates the number of jobs for service sectors like healthcare, education, leisure and hospitality, transportation, information services, retail trade, and then for goods producing sectors, including manufacturing, construction, you know, and it also includes government jobs in the economy as well. You know, and so in July, most of the new jobs, about 400,000 of the 528 total jobs were created, were, were generated in the service sector. The largest job increases were reported in leisure and hospitality services that had been hard hit by the COVID recession. They were up about a little over 120,000. Um, education services and healthcare and related services were both up about 100,000 jobs. And professional and business services were up almost 90,000 new jobs. So, you know, overall, there was a huge increase in July, unexpected strength. It was pretty broadly based, and especially in the service sector. So, Gary, uh, uh, was that large July increase in jobs enough to, uh, to lower the unemployment rate, which had been stuck at 3.6% for quite some time? If it did lower it, how much did the unemployment rate fall and how low is the overall uh, unemployment rate uh, by historical perspectives? Okay, Paul. Yeah, the headline unemployment rate um, has been low or at below the 4% that the, the Fed, Federal Reserve uh, generally considers to be full employment in the longer run. So it's been under 4% since November of 2021. Uh, so that's on the low side. And you know, it had been at 3.6% for several months. And in July, with the big increase in, in new jobs, the unemployment rate edged down to 3.5%. The last time it was that low was in the late 1960s. 
1980s. And for comparison, just you know, just a year ago, the unemployment rate was at a high of 5.7, high 5.7 percent. You know, as the economy was still recovering from the very short but very sharp 2020 COVID recession. So. Through July, the labor markets were, you know, at full employment and were adding jobs at a very rapid pace by historic standards. And, you know, that was that would that is for policymakers raising additional concerns about the already high inflation rate. And, you know, that's why the Fed has been raising interest rates to to slow the economy's growth. Well, lots of information, but it looks to me like uh, if a person is reasonably skilled, uh, they they can find a job, right? Today, yes, yeah. Today they should be able to find a job, yeah. Yeah, with a uh, ten or eleven million job openings out there. I notice uh, just going around town, large numbers of help wanted signs on businesses, particularly restaurants. I've noticed that too. Gary, thank you so much, and uh, we'll chat with you in a couple of weeks. Okay, thank you, Paul. You bet. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the San Francisco Federal Reserve and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance. Rising interest rates aren't all bad. In this week's Money Matters, Mark Cuniberti points out how the ongoing rate increases by the Fed have also helped increase the rates that banks pay for checking and savings accounts. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cuniberti. With the stock market continuing to jerk investors to and fro, even with the recent increase in market up days compared to the first half of the year, many are looking for safe havens until the market becomes more stable. Really can't blame them there. U.S. government I-bonds from TreasuryDirect.gov are paying on an annual yield of close to 10% right now. And I covered that in a Money Matters article and newscast a few weeks back, so I won't cover them again here. Regular treasuries and CDs are just debt, and they can be bought at your local bank, credit union, or brokerage house, although the interest rates are still anemic even with the Federal Reserve on an interest rate increase binge of late. In searching for higher yielding yet safe investment vehicles from our brokerage house that I use where we handle our customer accounts, the fixed income department gives direct access to CDs and U.S. Treasury screeners where I can view current rates and different quality solicitations directly from such Treasury dealers. For instance, when I go to my U.S. Treasury screeners, I can see a variety of dealers offering up their treasury quantities and rates. Each dealer's offering can be slightly different than the next. Surprisingly, three, six, and nine-month treasuries were offering yields north of 2% annually. The longer out one went, the higher the yield. The CDs offered on our dealer screener were equally surprising in their yields. I, like many investors, have become used to the near-zero rates banks will pay on short-term savings accounts like U.S. debt, treasury bills, bonds or notes, and money market funds. We may just assume the returns on such short-term monetary commitment vehicles are paying next to nothing. And for years, we may have been right. Surprisingly, however, and refreshingly, by accessing direct into my brokerage firm's dealer screen, those perceived non-existent or paltry rates from banking institutions are becoming somewhat of a mirage. They aren't so paltry anymore. 
rates are becoming actually quite palatable, at least to me, and even on short-term financial instruments like treasuries and CDs or on instant access accounts like savings or checking accounts, rates are rising. Will miracles never cease? I went to my favorite comparative website for bank rates called bankrate.com and I saw all sorts of financial products like CDs and treasuries, savings and checking accounts and you can compare the rates of each at a glance. At first glance, to me, the rates appear to be lower than what I can access through my dealer screen at my advisory broker, but the rates are still better than they were in the last decade or so. Although financial service companies like advisors and brokers are usually sought out just for stocks and bonds, I was presently surprised to see that not only I could buy these bank-type products mentioned, the rates I was seeing were comparatively very attractive. Thank goodness I looked, right? The whole point of today's musing in this newscast is to illustrate to you interest rates have likely risen at your local bank and credit union like they have at most all financial institutions. This is because of the Fed's recent war on inflation. To help combat inflation, they are increasing interest rates. Those ongoing rate increases by the Fed have also helped increase bank product rates. That means savings and checking accounts, along with a whole slew of other typical bank offerings, are likely paying higher rates than you and I remember. Making a good thing even better, inquiring at your local financial advisor office about such investments that you might typically buy at a bank may mean even higher rates are available there. I was surprised to see the dealer markets our brokerage firm uses and gives me access to showing rates that were higher than I could buy these products elsewhere. Only goes to show that in these crazy times, continually circling back to what was thought to be once stale financial fishing grounds might surprise to the upside if we take the time to inquire. Revisiting what we once thought was the mundane may not be so boring after all, and Lord knows our pocketbooks could use a little more stuffing in the form of higher interest rates to weather the increasing rate of inflation we're all having to deal with. I'm watching the market so you don't have to. Remember, the opinions expressed in this newscast are my opinions only and not meant as investment advice nor represents the opinion of any bank, investment firm, or registered investment advisor, nor this media outlet its staff members or underwriters. I hold a BA in economics with honors, 1979, from San Diego State University and California Insurance License, OL34249. Our website is moneymanagerradio.com, where everything is free, our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark And with that, our newscast comes to an end. KVMR gets support from Ben Franklin Crafts, locally owned and helping with back-to-school products. For arts and crafts, home decor, school projects, and knitting, Ben Franklin Crafts is on Sutton Way in Grass Valley. Online at benfranklin-crafts.com. And Weiss Landscaping. With over 75 years of generational experience in landscape architecture design and installation, Weiss Landscaping crews are experienced and provide accountability on craftsmanship, installations, and irrigation projects. Go Weisslandscaping.com. We also get support from our listeners. 
head on over to kvmr.org and click the donate button to make a contribution. 100% of it will go to keeping KVMR on the air and independent. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Have a great evening, and we'll see you tomorrow.